Welcome to the Helping Children Thrive podcast, where we talk about ways to improve your child's health and recovery. I'm your host, Momina Saleem, and I'm a certified pediatric functional medicine health coach. At Helping Children Thrive, it is our aim to educate and empower parents and practitioners with integrative approaches to children's health conditions. Along with this hope that our children can recover, I welcome you all. Hi everyone. On today's show, my guest is Sally Fallon Morrell. There's been a lot of talk here on the podcast and through my social media channels about the changes we are seeing in our diets and the implications that is having on our children's mental and physical health. I want to bring on an expert in the field to talk to us about nourishing foods and the importance and the place these foods need to have in our daily lives. Sally Fallon Morell is the founding president of the Weston A. Price Foundation, a nonprofit nutrition education foundation dedicated to returning nutrient-dense food to American tables. She's also the founder of a Campaign for Real Milk, which has at its goal universal access to clean, raw milk from pasture-fed animals. She's the author of the best-selling cookbook, Nourishing Traditions, the Nourishing Traditions Book of Baby and Child Care, Nourishing Broth, Nourishing Fats, and Nourishing Diets. Her latest book is The Contagion Myth. So let's head to the show. Hi, Sally. I'm so excited to have you here today. Well, thank you. I'm so very pleased to be talking to someone so far away yeah, <laughs> on no, the other I side of the world. You. Yes. Yeah, this is so exciting. Um, you know, I like to get started off by just always asking all of my guests, what got you started in all of this work? What got you so interested? Well, I think it was because I had health problems myself, as so many people do. Mm-hmm. And I had very healthy parents. And, uh, you know, they had um, excellent teeth and perfect eyesight. And I had a lot of fatigue and needed braces. And I needed very strong prescription for my glasses or my contacts. And I was, and I was kind of tired all the time and I had lots of allergies. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I figured out was that if I ate lots of fat at every meal, like butter or bacon or something like that, that I would not get tired, that I could go from one meal to the next. So then I learned about blood sugar and, and it was at this time that people were you know, the uh, so-called experts were talking about doing low fat diets and animal fats were bad, cholesterol was bad, but I knew that these foods made me feel better and helped my allergies and kept me from being so tired. So I never really believed it. And then I wrote my book, Nourishing Traditions, and my co-author was a lipid biochemist. And she pointed out that this anti- animal fat campaign was just that. It was an advertising campaign for the vegetable oil industry, the what I call the industrial seed oils, and it was designed to demonize their competition. And they've been extremely successful. Um, you know, only about 4% of the population eats butter. Yeah. Maybe it's a little yeah. bit more. And um, nobody cooks in lard anymore. All the uh, fried food, the fast fried food is 
done in vegetable oil instead of tallow, which is the healthy fat for it. And people, even though we have worked really hard to explain to people that it's just not true, that animal fats are essential for health and for happiness, because we make feel good chemicals out of some of the fats that we can only get from animal fats. So even though we've spent 25 years explaining all this and sold a lot of books and have a big foundation, most people still don't believe it. And, you know, where I shop at the grocery store, there's, you know, maybe two or three feet for butter. And then all the rest are the big tubs of spread. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting that you bring up this point of, um, of being happier, like, you know, this feel good factor that's so closely tied to consuming fats and, and good quality fats. We're seeing so many of our children and our youth, you know, so earlier on um, struggling with anxiety and depression and, yes, and suicidal yes. thoughts. Shouldn't be that way. Uh, one of the, you know, children should be happy and that's what it means to be a child. One of the uh, fats that we only get from animal fats, only from animal fats, is something called arachidonic acid. And arachidonic acid is the base um, substance that your body makes endogenous cannabinoids with. So we make cannabinoids, exactly the same thing that's in marijuana. We have receptors for them. Uh, and so I'll, I always like to say to my audiences, the natural state that, uh, is to feel high all the time. You should feel happy and good all the time. Your body's designed for that, but you have to give it the right materials. And those right materials are animal fats. And yeah, so we have, they have a population that's avoiding animal fats and they just feel lousy and the children feel terrible. Yeah, it's interesting in your book, you always talk about what a healthy child should look like. So even earlier on, you know, when they're just a couple of months old, that their predisposition should be one that's happy, you know, they're content, they're not crying too much. Or and, at all. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, right? And it really stems from that. You know, we're seeing a lot of kids with colic and reflux and just, you know, these all these conditions that parents don't know why they're happening. Doctors don't have answers. Yeah. Um, and, and, and nobody really knows what to do about it, right? So they just keep throwing pharmaceuticals at us. Yeah, and these pharmaceuticals are extremely dangerous, very hard to get off. And so the children are kind of addicted for life. So we recommend starting before conception, at least six months before conception, a special nutrient dense diet that includes butter, uh, animal fats, um, you know, some cultures may not want to use lard, which is a very healthy fat, but tallow is a fat that was used in the Middle East mm -hmm. from sheep and um, from lamb and sheep and, and cows, and camels, <laughs> right? And uh, it was often mixed with dates to make these, you know, kind of treats that were very healthy. So, and liver is, and organ meats are part of the Middle Eastern diet. And all of this should be included in the preconceptual diet. And then of course, the dairy products, raw whole dairy products and, and butter and cheese and so forth. Yeah. We also recommend cod liver oil, old fashioned cod liver oil, which I'm sure you remember. And um, that's for the vitamins A and D. And so that is the preconceptual diet that prepares 
the father for producing healthy sperm and the mother for producing a healthy baby. And then she continues that diet while she's pregnant. And we recommend the father continue the diet too. So he's healthy. And then while she's breastfeeding and then the first weaning foods for the baby are um, nutrient dense and fat rich foods, uh, liver and egg yolks. And I guarantee, and, and then if once you stop breastfeeding, it's raw milk, raw whole milk. I guarantee you, if you follow these very simple guidelines, you will have healthy children. They will not need braces. They'll have perfect eyesight. They'll be happy. They'll they'll grow tall, and strong, and intelligent. They'll be uh, a blessing to your family. Yeah, you know we're we're seeing more and more the strains that all of this is happening having on families, right? That um, children with higher needs, it's just, it's so energy taxing of the parents and, and the whole community that's surrounded by it, whether they're in schools or outside of schools, you know, it's, it, it's a big burden almost to kind of have to, you know, help them constantly the need that, that they require. Um, and, and it's interesting that, you know, just simple things in, in our diet can be yes. so effective. Yes. Yes, yes. And people say, Oh, I, I can't do that. That's too much trouble. Well, wait till you have a, a special needs child to see how much trouble that can be. Yeah. And the parents who followed this advice are so grateful to us and acknowledge that they their children are the picture of health. And, and you know, it's interesting, you talk about fats, and they've almost been demonized, right? And so oh, it's almost and it's been something that we've been indoctrinated for years now. So it's almost decades now where we've been led to believe that, that they're not, they shouldn't be a part of our diet or shouldn't be a mainstay in our diet. Right. Um, how could you get parents to start overcoming that, that mindset? That is the difficult thing. It's not getting the foods. The foods are out there. It's overcoming the fear, the guilt, that's been instilled in you uh, for so many years. And that, I guess, I think you would have to say that requires an effort, um, an effort of will and wisdom. Yeah. You know, I lived in Iran in 1965. And the fat that people used in Iran was lamb fat. Everything was cooked in lamb fat. And that is an extremely healthy fat that uh, anyone living in the Middle East can obtain and, and use. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really interesting that, that, you know, you've got these anecdotes of, of fats that are so common in, in this region, but unfortunately we're not really seeing that. So the diets, even in these regions have changed so oh, much. Yes. Right. And, and you mentioned liver being a mainstay in our, in, in the diets in this region, but that's not true anymore. Like there's been mm -hmm. this, um, you know, this, the whole culture of fast food change and all of that, yeah. that has kind of taken over our diet here as well. So it's not really very much different than like the standard American diet that you have. No, it's not. The, these uh, seed oil companies are vicious and they've come into all of the countries all over the world. They often go to great lengths to make their competition illegal. I know in India, they um, made it illegal to grind the rapeseed which um, that's not an animal fat, but at least when it was freshly ground, it was fresh and they made that illegal. And then the soybean oil came in, which yeah. is uh, always rancid. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Another thing we ate in Iran was brain. We ate brain once a week. That's an extremely healthy food, very good for growing children. And I think if you talk to your grandparents, they will tell you that if you wanted to have smart children, you fed them brain. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because I've seen that even with, with my parents that they grew up eating a lot of these foods, but when it comes to me and, and my generation, and then, you know, my, my kids generation, they almost have no, palate for these foods they've never had them and so it's quite revolting to even think of eating organ meat right like right i have to eat that um and so it's almost like changing that entire narrative of what is served at at your your dinner table your lunch table at home right and 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 almost creating this um this baseline education that we need to re restart and and provide to parents of why that's it's going to take a real educational effort i think our grandparents and their parents almost knew instinctively how to eat they knew that when you were sick you ate broth and that um you know the fats were good that you should eat the organ meats they they just knew that instinctively and, and we've lost that uh, that's part of the process of becoming individualized. But now we need to learn it through education. Yeah. And that's why we set up the Weston A. Price Foundation. It's a teaching foundation. And, and also in your book, you, you talk about, um, you know, the, the foods that the traditional foods and the a tradition diet, and that's what we should adopt. And I kind of wanted to get into a little bit of that. What, what the backstory of that was, you know, how you, how you created that whole story and, and narrated that in the <laughs> book. Um, and then, you know, what that diet entails, like we spoke a little bit about that, but what really does it entail for us in this day and age? Um, what does that look like? Well, I say first and foremost is get your fats right. Not your facts, but your fats right. So that's eating the healthy traditional animal fats and these um, fruit oils. Those are things like coconut oil, palm oil, and coconut oil. And uh, yeah, coconut palm and um, olive, olive oil. Uh, so that's, that's number one, uh, but that we have other principles as well. One is the proper preparation of grains. And um, I'm not sure what the traditions are in the Middle East on this, but um, we need to soak or sourdough our grains so that they're easy to digest. If you're eating a porridge, you have a food called kishk, which is the uh, wheat flour and the yogurt, which is then dehydrated and then um, you can rehydrate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, these are um, traditional uh, ways of preparing grains. Um, of course, meats and organ meats, um, and just avoiding processed foods in general. Good salt is extremely important, uh, even more important in hot countries yeah. than cool yeah. ones because we lose so much salt. Uh, unrefined salt that has all the magnesium and trace minerals in it. Uh, fermented foods. And of course the gelatinous bone broths are very important also yeah. in the diet. 
And you know, it's you take a lot of pains to explain a lot of these foods in your books of what they should look like. So when you talk about fermented foods or even fermented grains, you know, about what that should be and, and how they should be prepared. You know, if you are talking about, like, like you said, fats and what kind of fats, you know, it's not just any butter, but you're focusing on good quality grass fed butter, right? That has come if possible, if possible. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And, and so another thing that you put a lot of emphasis on is raw milk, right? Yes. It's yes. Kind of like a scarcity now in this world. <laughs> Well, and I don't know how available it is for you. A lot of uh, families keep uh, a goat, you know, mm -hmm. and so they have raw milk for their children. Um, in the United States, it is booming. Raw milk is extremely available in almost all states now. In many states, you can walk into a health food store and buy raw milk. Uh, we sell raw milk on our farm and people are so grateful to have it. And we have a lot of customers who... Uh, come from Africa or the Middle East and they're, you know, that's what they remember growing up was the raw milk. Yeah. So once yeah. you pasture, raw milk is nature's perfect food and it is designed to support the complete de development of any mammal. And, but it's also extremely delicate. And once you pasteurize it, subject it to heat, um, homogenization, uh, you know, all these uh, industrial processes, that ruins the milk and it, it becomes not a food, but something highly allergic that children react to. So a lot of parents just stop giving milk to their children because it gives them a tummy ache or makes them break out in a rash or whatever. And that's, that's a shame because you do, you do need the calcium in your diet and dairy foods are the only good source of calcium in the Western diet. Yeah. And, and, you know, you talk about, um, these raw milks and, and you talk about, you know, how once they go through the whole, whole process, it creates this allergies in children and, and reactivity in a lot of them. Um, how, how would that work for, for children? Like, you know, I know that my son is sensitive to milk and, and that's really the milk that we get at the grocery store. So it's not really mm -hmm. raw milk and it's not something that I have tried using with him yet because of availability but yeah. um you know for all of these children that have sensitivities or have reflux or, or eczema or asthma and the first thing you go to like a naturopath or or you know any any um functional or biomedical practitioner they would just take out the milk products yes right? and and rightly so because the milk is highly allergenic so then you need to provide this nutrient dense diet without the milk. And the big challenge is calcium yeah. and not so much phosphorus. You get phosphorus in meat and you get phosphorus in, in legumes, but it's the calcium. And so now you're going to have to find a good source of calcium. Um, in the old days, they used to cook uh, egg yolks, uh, excuse me, eggshells with a little vinegar and make a kind of vinegar water or calcium water and add that to soups and stews. Um, they would crush up bones and add it to the um, food. They could make a broth and crush up the soft chicken bones. So uh, once you don't have milk in the diet, the big challenge is calcium. Yeah. And, and something that, that you referred to right in the beginning is for parents that are, or for moms that are not able to breastfeed, right? Um, you suggest going on to raw milk. 
And yes, how, yes. how does that work? Because it's completely like a, a shift to think of well, not putting them in formula. Yeah, well, you know, uh, um, mother's milk is raw. So the next best thing to mother's milk is going to be raw milk from another species. And we have a recipe for a whole foods baby formula based on whole raw milk. And it has, I would say 20,000 babies have received this formula with uh, tremendous success. What's, what are the problems with formula? First and foremost, there is no cholesterol in infant formula. And mother's milk is very rich in cholesterol and contains several enzymes that in, ensure the complete assimilation of all that cholesterol. And there is, they put vegetable oil and skim milk powder in the formula. There's no cholesterol for the development of the child's brain. The baby cannot make cholesterol. You know, that only comes in you know, a number of years later. And yet this is the time with the most rapid brain growth. So if you do have to give formula to your child as soon as possible, you want to start feeding egg yolks and pureed liver and brain is a great uh, food, but um, um, yeah, you need, the baby needs that cholesterol. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's really amazing to hear that there is this formulation that, that you have on, on the website. So it's the Western price website, right? That yes, you have. Right. Because there's so many parents that I work with, or I speak to constantly who are struggling on formula. So they've taken, you know, and then the parents start restricting their diets more and more because their kids are so hyperallergenic yes. Um, yes. where then they're at that point where, you know, they're struggling to eat. And so it's making mom's nutrition depleted as well. Yeah. And, and moms are nervous and worried and, and the family relations are not as good. I mean, it's just a whole vicious circle that snowballs. Yeah. And so, you know, you, there's a lot of emphasis on animal protein, right? So mm -hmm. what would your advice be for, for parents that are, or for people that are vegetarian or vegan, like what should they do? Don't have children. That's, I, I'm sorry, but that's my advice. It's very uh, irresponsible to have a child or try to have a child if you're practicing a vegan diet and even a vegetarian diet. Um, these children don't do well. And uh, well, very often it results in complete infertility, but if they do have a child, the child doesn't do well, a child is sickly. And we've had many parents being sent to jail for child abuse because their children were failing and they wouldn't refuse to give them animal products. Yeah, and, and you're seeing, starting to see a lot of parents choose to put their small babies on vegan diets. You know, it kind of doesn't make sense, but yeah. you know. Yeah, breast milk is not a vegan food. It's an animal food, yeah. Yeah, and if you look at what it's made up of, it's got, like you said, yeah full of cholesterol and a lot of those healthy fats that a baby yes. needs to grow. It's not going to get from a vegetarian diet. Yeah. It's and, very sad. Um, very, very sad uh, to see what happens to children brought up in vegan diets. Yeah. Especially because then their, their focus is more on a lot of those oils that, that you're talking about yes. right, that are yes. so processed and highly, um, you know, they, they Rancid, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So much oxidative stress that comes from yes. that in the body yes. that it's, it, it's, it, you know, it's hard for the kids to, to develop. One of the things that, um, you know, 
once these kids have these conditions, so, you know, if we do have um, children with neurodevelopmental issues or other chronic conditions, how can the parents use the foundations of this diet to help them? Well, there's a wonderful doctor, Natasha Campbell McBride. I'm sure you've heard of her. She wrote a book called The GAPS Diet, Gut and Psychology Syndrome. And it is basically our principles, but a very limited diet that uh, eliminates all of the uh, difficult foods that are causing reactions in the child. It's it's, she always stresses, this is a temporary diet. It's very restrictive, but it allows the gut to heal. And then you can slowly add other foods back, but it's based on lots and lots of what she calls meat stock. So this is meat and bones cooked slowly for several hours. And that provides a lot of the components that you need to heal the gut. Yeah. And, you know, the, there's also a lot of mirroring of the paleo and, and the ketogenic. So they've got like a lot of um, similarities in these uh, in these diets, you know, or just way of, of eating. Well, people say that, but I, I really don't agree. I think mm-hmm. the keto and the paleo diets, there, there's actually a lot of dangers in these diets because Mm -hmm. of the emphasis on lean meat. Yeah. And we really should eat meat with the fats. And then we also need those organ meats very badly. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And, you know, you talk about the GAPS diet and, and how many families have really had so much success with that. Right. Um, Many, 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 it's hard. It's a hard restrictive diet at first, but if you stick with it, um, you'll be rewarded with um, much better health in your children. Yeah. You know, this has just been really, really great for parents to kind of just get that kind of awareness, education, information, you know, right from someone who's done so much research in all of this. So I'm so grateful that I got to have you and to get a chance to, to talk to you about these things. And I'm hoping that parents will pick up your books and start learning about, um, you know, these very important basics that they need to add on to their diets. So well, can, can you get my books in the Middle East? Yeah, so I got it through, um, through Amazon. So you, you know, did. okay. And then our website, westonaprice.org. And we do encourage people to come become members and support the work we do. But there's so much information there. And if you go to the section called children's health, We have articles on the baby formula. We have articles on feeding, you know, weaning foods, articles on the GAPS diet. So there's a lot of information there. Yeah, I'll I'll make sure to link them to the show notes so everyone has an access to all of that. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much for coming on. This has been... Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is great. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you for listening to this podcast and spending your precious time with us at Helping Children Thrive. If you find this podcast helpful, please share it with your family, friends, and others who may benefit. If you haven't already, hit subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Please take a few moments to rate and review this podcast on the review section of Apple Podcasts. This will help other parents, caregivers, and professionals find the show more easily. Visit momenasaleemcoaching.com to post comments on today's show or ask any questions about upcoming episodes. And sign up to receive weekly updates. Helping Children Thrive is not a substitute 
for working with a qualified healthcare professional. The information shared here is not intended to diagnose and treat your child. Before implementing anything discussed here on the podcast, make sure to consult your healthcare practitioner. See you all next week.